Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hamilton's going to try again this time on the inside. It comes to the touch. Verstappen is out of the race and that's a big crash into cops. Michael, this is total. What a year, guys. What a year. Ocon wins the Hungarian Grand Prix! Oh, Oh, they touched and they collided! Just brake tested me. I've just hit it, man. My wing's broken. No, it's okay. It looks okay. It told to give you the position. Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Up his first podium, Max Verstappen, for the first time ever, is champion of the world. Hello and welcome to episode 80 of the TTM Sports Show, the sports show that's by the fans for the fans. Now, the day is Friday. It's Friday fun day. It's Friday end of the weekday. It's Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's also the start of something new on TTM Sports with myself. It's Formula One Friday. So for all those F1 fans out there that have been listening to the TTM Sports Show thinking, why are we not talking more about this? Well, your prayers have been answered. Myself, James Harrison, will be hosting this weekly. Um, First guest is an absolute 
banger. We've got Adam from DNF. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. One podcast. Adam, how are you? And welcome to the show. Well, thanks for the warm welcome, James. And uh, yeah, that's an incredible intro you've got there. I might have to try and uh, take a few cues from you for future episodes on my show. But uh, yeah, doing really well. Thank you. And uh, really excited to be on the show. Oh, fantastic. It's it's wonderful, wonderful to have you. And uh, an F1 show is something that, that we've been wanting to do for a long, long time. Obviously, at, at the back end of last season, for those that were watching uh, the battle unfold, it was absolutely sublime. I, I even heard uh, someone say on Sky Sports the other week saying that if the script would have went to Hollywood, they would have chucked it out for being too unrealistic. But before we get into that, Adam... Talk to us about DNF1. How did it start? How's it going? Yeah. Well, DNF1, like uh, the TCM Sports Show, is pretty much a show made by fans, for fans, and for anyone involved in F1 that wants to hear a couple of guys pretty much shoot the breeze and talk about their favourite sport. And yeah, it started uh, two years ago, um, pretty much in my flat with a friend of mine. We thought, you know what? We love F1. We love talking about it. Why not make it a show? So we did been doing it ever since we've had some great guests on the show and a lot of positive feedback we're still in the infant stage obviously on the independent circuit but you never know hopefully one day we stick at it we might be a bit more familiar to uh many other f1 fans within that niche maybe on a sports perspective as well it's certainly a, a growing niche f1 podcast these days Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're both members, both of our shows are members of the Sports Social Podcast Network, which is obviously where I come into contact. And I, I searched for F1 Podcast, and you're right, there, there wasn't very many at all. I think there's one called Breaking Point, which was which was doing quite well. Um, but no, as far, as far as I'm concerned, it is niche. And if you stick at it, uh, by all means, um, you can come onto our show whenever you like. And, um, you know, our audience is growing with every podcast. And uh, you will find that as the years start to tick by and the episodes start to tick off, it just spirals from there. But our fans want to talk about F1 today. Uh, first of all, I have to ask you this because you're on the TTM Sports Show and predominantly we are a football show. Who's your team? Uh, probably controversial, but I am a proud Arsenal fan. So, uh, you know, I, I mean, me personally, this side of the TTM Sports Show, don't mind Arsenal, but James is a Tottenham fan. Um, so I, I have to say <laughs> that. But there's one thing that you've got that they don't. And that's trophies, Adam. I mean, how do you think the season's going this season then with your, with your, with your boys? Um, well, it started off uh, almost abysmally. Mm. Um, I, I must admit, I was a bit on the fence with Arteta as manager, as I'm sure is a very controversial topic. But as the season's gone on, the players in this process, if you like, has started to grow and take shape. Some of our young players like Emil Smith-Rowe, Martin Odegaard, Pakai Saka, obviously being a shining star at the moment. And considering that I would have taken a top six finish, I think mm. that's still relatively speaking the objective, even though we're in a good shape right now. I think we have to be very excited about the prospect of getting back to the Champions League and who knows where we may go from there. It's going really well right now. No, absolutely. When when Mikel Arteta first came into the club, I just thought, okay, good appointment. Then then the results started coming in. Um, I, I thought immediately he's just trying to be, um, 
he's coming across as aggressive like he's the teacher and the reality is I think as soon as he's now just started being himself over the past couple of months the results are starting to come in I make Arsenal favourites now for the top four I think that there's daylight um, the only bit for me is when they come up against a big team they fall over but the reality is so does Man United so does Tottenham and, and so does West Ham so I think Keep getting your results against the, the teams that you should beat. You should be all right. But, uh, you know, look, um, over to the F1. Um, me, personally, I'm a massive Lewis Hamilton fan. Um, I always have been. As soon as he started uh, in in Australia, um, new teammate to Fernando Alonso back in the Ron Dennis days at McLaren, if my memory serves me correctly, uh, podium finish. I think he had, like, six podiums in the first, like, eight races or something of his Formula One career. He was absolutely stunning and uh, obviously missed out on, on that inaugural uh, crown, if you like, of uh, Kimi Raikkonen come from uh, come from the slipstream of both Alonso and Hamilton to take that title in Brazil. Um, I followed him um, and I, I'm in awe of the guy. But in terms of Lewis Hamilton, there was a lot of rumours that he wasn't even going to come back this year, Adam. What was your take on that? For me personally as a fan, I... I'll be honest with you, I didn't really feel that this was going to be the defining moment in Lewis's career, which would see him walk away from the sport. That being said, what happened to him was nothing short of tragic. Now, I mean, we can go into what happened at Abu Dhabi and how controversial that was. And we may not know the truth over whether what Michael Massey, the former race director, did was right within the rules or perhaps the rules were written in the wrong way. But I think we can all agree that it was incredibly... Uh, cruel to see a championship taken away from Lewis Hamilton in the way that it was um, and over the winter fans, pundits anyone involved in the sport, perhaps even Mercedes themselves weren't sure if Lewis was going to continue and uh, you know, fortunately for the sport fortunately for fans, especially the Lewis Hamilton fans, Lewis was able to go away um, despite having no interaction on social media with the outside world it literally was within his own inner circle, he came back looking refreshed, looking ready to go put that to the back of his mind and, you know, looks like he's ready to try and win that eighth world championship again. And, and the way things are going, I certainly wouldn't bet against him. Well, no, absolutely. I mean, I watched um, I watched all the races, but you could tell from probably when he was chasing him in America, in Austin. And he just couldn't quite reel him in. Mexico got away from him a little bit. I think he was let down by Bottas at the start there, personally. Um, but as he went into Brazil and we had that magical weekend of the sprint from the back of the grid, pretty much up to like, I think it was 10th, then dropped back down to 15th, then still won it again. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, if that was the exact positions, but it was around that, I think. He, you know, we ended up winning the race. He was ran off the road, in my opinion, in Brazil. Um, and then we, we go across to Saudi and he, he kept picking up these victories. And that looked like a really Really, a really physical race actually in Saudi Arabia that looked like I remember the image of Bottas and Hamilton both sat down after the race uh, looking at them both as sweat just ringing off of them and again I, I, I feel for Lewis because I felt like he did enough in the end I felt like he was pushed into a corner and he, he then fought like a champion he come back like a champion um, but on the other side of the coin a lot of casual fans, a lot of people probably listening to this show now who have not really listened or watched a lot of F1 like we have, or me, not so much as you, but you, you know what I'm saying. Um, they don't want to see the season ended behind a safety car. And do you know what? I, I understand that. Now, could you just break down for us really what seems to have happened here? Because there's a lot of my listeners that don't quite understand what the hoo-ha was about. Why is everybody so angry, for instance? Well... 
To be honest with you, James, it was a situation that confused veteran F1 fans as well. I, I remember watching it at the time and I at the time I was a bit annoyed that the race looked like it was going to end behind a safety car or, you know, considering the way the race had gone down, Lewis had built up a huge lead. Um, you know, he overtook Max Verstappen at the start and was able to hold on to that place, although some people argued he probably should have yep. got it earlier on. But, you know, that aside, Lewis was able to build up a huge lead. He would have overtook him anyway, Adam. Most likely. Um, mm. On a circular Abu Dhabi, straight line speed is paramount, as difficult as it can be to overtake with the way the layout was. But um, Lewis looked in fine form. He looked as good as he'd ever done in his career. And it seemed at that point where it was inevitable that no matter what Max or Red Bull could do, it just wasn't going to be their day. And then after Nicholas Latifi's crash a few laps from the end, it seemed like the race was going to end behind a safety car. And everyone kind of just accepted, that's it. Lewis has got this in the bag. He's going to be the world champion. And then, of course, the stewards um, and Michael Massey, the race director, they announced that no safety, uh, sorry, no lap cars were going to overtake. They were going to stay in formation. And at this point, they had five lap cars between Lewis and Max. And normally okay. the protocol is they would allow the lap cars to overtake the lead car and the safety car, go around and then do another lap. And then that would allow the safety car to come into the pits and they can go racing. But by which point the race would have finished, would have finished. What ended up happening was immediately after that, or say about a lap or so after that, the notification came up to say that only five lap cars uh, could overtake Lewis Hamilton safety car and unlap themselves, which were the five cars between Lewis and Max, which put the two of them together. And then the safety car came in on the same lap, leaving one lap of racing. And then after that, and all that controversy, we know what happened next. So I've got two two questions from it, and then I'll tell you how I think it should have ended, just as a sports fan. The first question I've got, so was a rule broken then by allowing the... So you've got Lewis Hamilton in position number one, and then you have some lap cars behind him, and then Verstappen. Now, behind Verstappen, there was obviously other lapped cars. Now, they only let the four lapped cars go past Hamilton, but not the other lapped cars behind so surely, from a midfield perspective, now we know that in the Constructors' Championship, positional finishing in the Constructors' Championship is the difference sometimes between a team potentially folding because the amount of prize money, you could argue that actually by not allowing them all to go past could have affected lower down the table. And then the second question is, was the race director wrong in just, just every... Did he lose control? Um... Well, I'll sort of answer your second one a little bit first before I come back mm. to the other one, James. Okay. Can. Um, in all honesty, it's very, very hard to suggest or determine 100% if what Michael Massey did was wrong. Um, and purely and simply, that's because, and I know that might sound unpopular, but, I'm, but it's purely because of the way the rules are written. And you're right, normally you would expect all of the lap cars to overtake the lead in the safety car when lap cars are allowed to overtake. However, the way the rule was written, I think it was Article 15.3. I might be wrong on this one. It might be a different article, but it's along those sorts of lines. And it quotes any lap car. Now, Red Bull, after the race, made the argument that any does not necessarily mean all. And that there actually was an example of when something similar to this actually happened. This was back at Singapore in 2015. Okay. Where similar circumstances in terms of the, the lap cars, only a portion of them were allowed to overtake the safety car before we got underway. Um as I said, it was very, very rare. I couldn't think of one off the top of my head. We had to do research to try and figure out if it actually had happened before, and it did. doesn't necessarily mean that it was right then, but then there are other cases where the safety car should have done another lap, which meant the race would have ended under the safety car. That wasn't followed, so, you know, that's one strike there. Mm. And then we end up with another scenario where 
the race director was under a lot of pressure from Red Bull. We had Jonathan Wheatley on the radio with Christian Horner talking to him. We had Total Wolf talking to him amongst other team principals as well. Of course, this has since been banned and we're not going to hear that this season, which is a good thing. Yeah, so absolutely. He'd have been under huge pressure. Um, imagine, for example, like football fans might relate to this, a scenario where a team's denied a penalty or something and then you've got the whole team harassing the referee and then you've got the other team harassing him at the same time and everyone in the ground all literally in his ear trying to influence his decision. And then he makes a decision that nobody seems to like or is an unpopular one, something like that. That's kind of the equivalent of what Michael Massey was feeling at that point in time. Um, so I can understand why he might have not been thinking as calmly and clearly as he perhaps could have done in the moment. But then we get to a scenario where um, there's another rule that's written basically in a nutshell, it basically uh, says that the race director has the ultimate decision on what to do in a sort of scenario like this. And that's kind of what Michael Messi did. Now, again, that's not necessarily me defending the actions because I thought in the spirit of the rules and the way the that's, situation... That's the been, difference, Adam, the spirit. Yeah, I don't think he made the right decision. Um, and yeah. I think more of a, it's more of a failing of the FIA as a whole rather than what Michael Massey did. Um, that being said, I don't think he should have been able to continue as a race director, not just because what happened at Abu Dhabi, but there's been a plethora of... Oh, the, the race before. Yeah. When um, when yeah, um, it, they restarted the race and just they said, let's cut a deal and put Verstappen second. Or, I was thinking, what's going on here? It's like an old EA sports game when you can make up the grid. It was outrageous. But uh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Michael Massey, or, or another equivalent into football terms, would be very simply if you had both managers and chairmen of both clubs on the phone to the VAR operator at Stockley Park, um, really influencing decisions, and, and that's wrong. Um, but taking all that apart, we end up with a scenario, Adam, where Verstappen's behind Hamilton. It is what it is. There's another two prolonged question to this one. One, Mercedes, obviously, can you explain to my listeners why Mercedes didn't pit Lewis Hamilton? Now, I know the answer is track position, um, but then obviously the second one is, um, were they were they right to allow those two to race for one lap? Um, well, in term, I'll answer the second one first again, if I may. Um, at the start of the season, uh, there was a briefing, well, there was a meeting with the race director and a lot of the drivers and the teams, and they all voted against the idea if they can avoid a situation where the races would end under the safety car now i don't know if that was in the back of michael massey's mind in terms of influencing his decision making at the end of the season he may have thought well actually this is what the teams agreed so we're going to try and get at least one lap of racing perhaps the fact that christian horner was constantly reminding of him of that knowing that maxine only needed the one lap because of the circumstance he found himself in on two compound softer tires and much fresher tires than what lewis had so Perhaps that was in the back of his mind when he made that decision. Um, in terms of Mercedes, whether or not they made the right call, I've seen a lot of people try and argue that they should have pitted Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, perhaps in hindsight they could have done. But I'll be honest with you, James, I don't think there was a guarantee that Lewis was going to come out in front of Max. And I think they were probably going to gamble on the fact that Lewis would have fresh tyres as well. He could go after Max and try and overtake him. But when you're so close to winning the race and winning the World Championship, there's so much on the line. I don't think anyone at Mercedes would have been brave enough without the benefit of hindsight to pull Lewis into the pit lane. And even if they did call him in, I don't think Lewis would have taken that call. I think he'd have chose to stay out and protect track position, hoping that the race wouldn't end under the safety car. And it all happened so fast. I mean, but it should have done, Adam. 
it should have it should have done and that and i think the reason why sorry to cut you up i mean before it goes out my mind and into obscurity forever but but i think the reason why mercedes didn't pit lewis hamilton in my in my opinion was one they thought that the normal rules were going to be observed and therefore under those particular conditions it would have finished under the safety car and it would have been the right call but i'm going to tell you what i think should have happened okay the reason but going back very quickly the reason why also in in terms of what you're saying they never pitted him because he may have come out behind max and i get that going into the final race max obviously had one more victory than lewis hamilton max being the driver that he is in my opinion let's say a bit more aggressive would have no bombs no qualms in the fact of those two crashing because if they both crashed out max is the champion so for lewis to overtake max there's there's too much right it's like there's too much right it's too much of a gamble because there's too much riding on it in case there's a contact now if it was me and i was michael matthews i would have said to all the teams who don't write this is what's going to happen. I want every single car in the pit lane in track position. Stop. Just hold on a minute. And I would have said, right, every single team, principal, everyone on the phone now. We've got the world watching our glorious sport. A lot of new fans from around the world that want to see this end under racing conditions. I would have said, you as drivers and teams want to finish under racing conditions. However, if if we stay out, you would have got what we had that, that actually happened, if you see what I mean. You had Lewis Hamilton on old hard tyres. For those that are new listening to the show, about not, not sure on F1, if you've got old hard tyres against someone with some brand new soft tyres on, it's the equivalent of asking a football player to score a penalty but tying his shoelaces together. The hard isn't going to prevail over the soft. It's just not going to happen, um, especially in the heat of the desert as well, even at night time. So I would have said, we're going to finish under racing conditions, but you can all have new tyres and rejoin the track with those new tyres. Now, as they're making up rules, I don't understand why they didn't just say, right, five laps. Here we go. We're going to have five laps. Lewis, you're on softs. Max, you're on softs. You keep the same position. And if you overtook him on the track then, you could say, well, fair enough. I mean, would, would, would that be so bad? Well, I mean, they could have done that in theory. They would have just put the red flag out once Latifi had had his crash. And then that's literally how it would have gone down, James. It would have pulled everybody into the pits. Everyone yeah. would, have, would have had a free choice of tyres. Um, and they would have started from the grid again, as we would have done at the beginning of the race. Now, of course, what happens after that happens and everyone will say, OK, fair enough. And ultimately, that did prove to be a popular choice amongst the fans. However, I think in that moment, a red flag probably wasn't necessary because of the level of the crash. I think the safety car was probably the right call. Um, and, you know, it, it's one of those where they could have chose to do that. They could have chose to uh they could have chose to end the race under the safety car which is probably what they should have done um it's just so many different things ultimately what we did get was um a very complicated and difficult decision not the popular one is probably not the right one either so mm. it's going to be interesting what the fia report says but um you start getting into the dangers of f1 where because of this championship just gripped so many people ultimately it became a huge show and so many people from around the world that had watched F1 for the first time. I mean, we were seeing Hollywood A-listers, people like Samuel Jackson and uh, even Harry Kane, you know, someone closer to home um, was watching it for the first time. And even he couldn't understand what was going on or it just didn't seem right. So it definitely left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. And it, and even to this day, I feel for Max Verstappen in this regard. Because Absolutely. Because no matter what he does... I still think he deserved the world championship over the course of the season, but there will be a lot of people that will never give him that 
um, owing to the fact in the way that he won it, despite the fact that he had no control over what happened outside of him and did pretty much what everybody else would have done in the same situation. No, I mean, there's lots of subplots to it. There is in any sport. There's lots of drama underneath everything. What it has done is released a massive to-be-continued, a turning of the page in the massive drama-filled storyline, as you put it, box office show of Formula One. Into this season, what we've got is something completely different. A brand new era. Uh, the new cars, as, as we've spoken about. I mean, I've got some slight opinions on those new cars. Some bits I like, some bits I don't like. What I do like is those Ferrari, uh, the, the wonderful Ferrari vents, I think, on the side where it curves in. For those who know, if you know, you know. They look super sexy, I must admit. Um, what's the main difference with these cars? Am I right in saying that the, they can actually follow a lot closer and we get a bit more overtaking action? Well, that's going to be the desired outcome. Um, in the past, following cars, particularly in this sober hybrid era, um, and these cars are so aggressive with aerodynamics in the last few years, uh, cars tend to lose around about almost 50% of the downforce. Now, for those of you that don't know what downforce is, it's basically just a force that uses air to suck the car closer to the ground, which allows it to travel through the corners at a faster rate. Um, it's incredible to see the cars do that. And, and these cars before this new era, used to be amazing at doing that. Arguably some of the fastest cars we've ever seen in the sport, if not the fastest. These new cars, the projections that we've been hearing suggest that the cars will only lose around 10% of the downforce, which is a huge difference. Long story short, it should mean, James, that these cars will be able to follow each other much closely and as a result should be able to find it easy to overtake. They have something now called DRS, which is uh, an overtaking age where the you know the rear wing it opens and it reduces air drag and air resistance, which allows the cars to travel faster to overtake the car in front. The long-term goal for this uh, new era of cars is that we can not necessarily get rid of the RS, although that would be nice, but allow the cars to overtake each other a little bit more naturally rather than mm. having certain driver aids to do that. And I think that's what the fans want. They want to see closer racing. They want to see more competitive racing across the board, not just the first few teams. And, you know, we'll have to wait and see how that goes down. So we don't know yet if that's going to be a success. However, the early suggestions and early projections from what we saw in the first test suggest that we may actually get some level of improvement in terms of how, car how close these cars can follow each other. And as a result, hopefully more overtaking. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a brand new start for all. We saw the regulations come out last season and I, for one, was watching every single day, at, uh, waited with berated breath at the new car reveals. They seem to be a show all on their own. Was very surprised, actually, that Mercedes dropped the, the black and went with back to the silver arrows again. That did surprise me. George Russell joining Mercedes from Williams. Uh, Bottas now taking the seat that uh, was left vacant by Kimi Raikkonen at Alfa Romeo. But you know what car has impressed me the most? There's two cars. There's actually three cars sorry um in terms of looks as a complete package of looks mercedes um not mercedes mclaren i i think that mclaren car looks it just looks beautiful it, it looks box office i mean you know with a mercedes engine back in a mclaren you know sh chassis wise you, you'd have to say that that team should be up there they, they've had a horrible couple of years the move to honda was a, a disaster um, but obviously that that looks nice with daniel ricardo and lando norris there um the other car that that does look quite nice is, as i mentioned is the ferrari the vents on the side their interpretation of the regulations look absolutely incredible so i urge people to go over to twitter and onto those uh, onto those twitter pages to see those cars they're stunning but the car that really gripped me more than anything in terms of looks 
is the Aston Martin. How do you think that looks? Uh, the Aston Martin is absolutely gorgeous. For lack of a better way of putting it, um, I mean, the thing is, we always know the Aston Martin cars are going to look good. And, you know, the paint job on it is fantastic. Is that sort of British oh. heritage that comes with it. Perhaps there's a bit of a British bias as well with a car like the Aston Martin. But uh, anyone that, you know, sort of grew up watching the James Bond films or wanted to pick their ideal car, the Aston Martin DB9 is probably going to be up there with a lot of people in terms of the ideal wallpaper. It was one of my favourite cars growing up. It still is. Um, and that sort of beauty with Aston Martin resonates into the F1 team. And it's a stunning car. I just really, really hope, James, that it's quick because Aston Martin are a team that are going to be on the up. I think in the short term, it won't necessarily happen overnight. But I think in the next four or five years, this project Aston Martin have embarked on with Lawrence Stroll, the huge investor into the team and the new infrastructure changes that are going on at their sites over at Brackley next door to Mercedes as well. So I think, um, borrowing a football pun, they're going to be very noisy neighbours to the Mercedes team in the near future. And so hopefully for their sake, it'll be sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. I know that um, obviously with Aston Martin, one question I've got, a personal question, just uh, not, not, not long left on the podcast now. It's quite a long one for me, actually. Normally we only do about 20 minutes to half an hour, but I'm, I'm enthralled by this. Um, in terms of Aston Martin, are they going to be releasing their own engine or are they going to stick with, with what they've got? So the new technical director, Mike Crack, has announced recently that they are planning to produce their new a new power unit or look into that by 2026. Now, long story short, the, the current engines that we have now will be frozen uh, for the next four seasons. So when 2026 comes around, we'll have brand new power units based on the new specs. Red Bull are going to go down a route with Porsche after taking over from Honda and obviously developing Red Bull powertrains. Aston Martin, currently pr powered by Mercedes, they're looking to go in a similar route, go their own own way with what they've learned from Mercedes, but they're going to be trying to do it themselves. I don't know if they're going to do it on their own or they may inquire with an engine manufacturer, perhaps someone else from the Volkswagen group like Audi, for example. Oh, could you imagine that? Audi. Well, Audi have been teasing at this idea with the new engine regs as Porsche have done, as I said, part of the Volkswagen group. So perhaps if Red Bull are going with Porsche, we may see Audi join uh, Aston Martin. I've heard rumours that Audi might be considering a partnership with McLaren as well. So, I mean, at one point, it looked like Audi were going to buy the team outright because of the financial uh, issues that they've been having. Although, you know, we could be talking about that and completely gone under a different tangent altogether. Probably you can't get rid of McLaren though, can you, Adam? That's uh, that's like getting rid of Ferrari. They're the two surely protected, and, and Williams, they're, the, they're the, the three protected teams, surely. Agreed, yeah. I, I don't think it was ever close to a point where Audi were going to buy the team outright. It was a rumour, but it was buffed very very quickly if anything i think audi will probably try and come into the sport as an engine provider in the same way that porsche is but you never know i mean we'll learn more about this in the future but aston martin i think like well not so much red bull but like mclaren are looking at ideas to uh, go beyond mercedes because whilst it's nice having a mercedes power unit in the back of your car the ultimate goal is to try and beat your engine providers and as good as mercedes are that's proving an even more difficult task every single season right now so it's encouraging to see Okay, and and finally, um, you know the world that we live in at the moment. There's uh, obviously significant difficulties in the uh, in the in the in the Eastern European bloc, as it were, especially in Ukraine and Russia, and that's had a direct implication onto F1 uh, contractual obligations. Actually, drivers, tracks, sponsors, teams, everything. So obviously, the Russian GP dropped. Um, I think we can both agree that's probably the right decision. Good track at Sochi, but it's the right decision there. I'm not sure I'd say it was a good track, to be honest. It was a, <laughs> well, a bit of a loose fest for, for hardcore F1 fans, I'll be honest with you, James. Well, Valtieri Bottas loved it, didn't he? 
probably the only good thing about it, the Valtteri. <laughs> liked it, but over the years, as we saw last season, it was a bit of a nightmare for him. And uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's a track that people are going to miss much on the F1 calendar. But then, you know, there's not many tracks that are that bad, to be fair. No, maybe Valencia. But uh, no, um, well, that was an awful track. That's been left in ruins. For those that want to see something interesting, head over to YouTube and you can see the F1 abandoned track at Valencia. Unbelievable. Uh, and obviously Haas, Haas F1. Now, I heard of Haas originally in the American uh, automotive arena. They're actually quite, quite big over in America. Come over to F1, and then I start to see, I start to notice a bit of Russian influence into that, that team. Um, so obviously, they had a driver called Nikita Mazapan, I believe. Um, his father was obviously a big beneficiary into Haas F1 uh, with the Russian company Ukralai, I believe it was. Ukralai, I think that's how you say it. Uh, Eurokali, yeah. Eurokali, and then obviously they have now pulled out, um, rightfully so. Haas have terminated the contract with them. But what that's had is a direct implication on the whole situation at the team. Can you just break it down before we before we end about what, what's happening at Haas? Sure. So, uh, I mean, in a nutshell, James, uh, Gene Haas, the uh, owner of the Haas team, as you said, he has many ventures in the American motorsport industry, particularly in IndyCar and NASCAR. Um, he wanted to start buy up a Formula One team, did that in, uh, I think it was 2016, I believe, and it started off really well. They've then fallen to the back of the field. And ultimately, the big problem at Haas is that Gene Haas in particular does not really like investing much of his money into the team. Um, so this is where companies like Rich Energy, for example, a few years ago, if you remember them, and Ural Kali not too long ago, were investing quite heavily in the team. Now, the problem with the latter is that they also came with Nikita Mazepin as a driver, and he wasn't a very popular choice, and he didn't exactly self, uh, do himself any favours uh, before he'd even gotten into F1. And since, the fans have loathed him for a long time since. So not a lot of people were actually upset to see the back of him following this uh, controversy, following the uh, Ukraine-Russia situation at the moment. And... Um, with as, as a result, Euro Kali, uh, their contract was terminated with them, and Nikita Mazepin's contract as well was also terminated because a part of his uh, conditions for his seat was that Euro Kali were going to be funding that, but because they're not funding it, then there's obviously no reason to have Mazepin on. And that's kind of the situation Huss find themselves in. I do feel sorry for a lot of the people in that team, a lot of the personnel, etc., because they have an owner in Gene Huss. It's kind of like having an owner in a football club that doesn't want to invest in the team, doesn't want to buy any players or anything like that. So then clubs have to make very uh, controversial sponsorship deals to try and make as much money as possible to try and fund their operations because their owner is just sitting on it. Sounds a bit familiar being an Arsenal fan, but <laughs> you know, I digress. <laughs> but that's kind of where they find themselves in right now, where I think they're going to be okay in terms of finances, but I'm sure as we're about to get on to, they've had to make some decisions very quickly regarding their driver lineup. And uh, hopefully... That will seek pastures new for them and an upward trajectory with uh, what is otherwise a very big season for the team. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously uh, Mazapan, uh, the driver, has left. His father, as rightfully you say, was a massive benefactor into into the team. Since uh, the sponsorship has left, uh, Maza, the, Pan, the Mazapans have left, the Russians have left. He's now asking for his money back. Uh, it's a lot of stress onto the team, but an absolute golden nugget of positivity, K-Mag, is back. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Kevin Magnussen back. Uh, always a very, very good driver. Just never really seemed to be able to hit the ground um, as high as he would have liked to at any of the teams he'd been at. You know, McLaren, it started off okay. It obviously got a great result on his debut, but never really was able to replicate that uh, in a team that was struggling. And then obviously went to Renault, same problems there. And then he went to Haas. It's always been a case of, will this be the move for, uh, for 
Magnussen to try and make that next step forward. I think perhaps that ship has sailed, but it's going to be good to see him back in Formula One. I'm hearing it's a multi-year deal, so he's going to be around for a while, which is good for stability. And it's going to be a great yardstick to measure against Mick Schumacher because last season, Mick Schumacher was, you know, he had a very, very good debut season and uh, I'm certainly encouraged by his progress. Also as a Ferrari fan as well, I think that's going to be good to see for them long-term, but he's going to be up against someone like Kevin Magnussen, who's going to be a very good barometer to measure how good Mick Schumacher really is and how much he can develop. So there's absolutely a plethora of positives for this decision and this move for Haas going forward. Well, Adam, uh, that that brings uh, an end to the very first uh, F1 Friday. Uh, what I will try and do is in two weeks, if you're available, to grab you after practice two or three, uh, if possible, before qualifying uh, to, to release one of that. That would mean a lot to, to myself. If we could get you for that, that would be great. Um, is it too early to make a prediction? Is it too early to make a prediction? Oh, it's so hard to say. I mean, in my predictions uh, episode, I predicted Max Verstappen to be world champion again. That being said, um, I'm encouraged by what Ferrari are doing. As a fan as well, I should be, but um, I'm not getting too excited yet. But if based on what I've been seeing in this second test so far, James, and what I've been hearing on the rumour mill, I've got a funny feeling Mercedes are going to smash it out of the park once again. I think this is going to be Lewis Hamilton's defining moment where he comes back with a resurgence, with a vengeance, if you like, and win the eighth world championship. Uh, I'm going to say Lewis Hamilton at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, agreed. I think it'll be a Mercedes victory. I think Lewis might get it, but I also think that Georgie boy uh, might come to the party as well. Uh, I think Lewis has been good actually for the past three or four races towards the back end of last season as well. It was like he was uh, he was shaken violently into action uh, by Max. But uh, yep, yeah, no, I'm going for the same. Well, look, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of the first episode of F1 Friday. Thank you very much, Adam. And uh, we'll see you again very, very soon. Hello sports fans and thank you for listening to the TTM Sports Show. The sports podcast that's by the fans, for the fans. Where you can guarantee explosive debate, trending topics, big interviews and guests, and regular uploads. Proudly sponsored by Prestige Paving and Patios and Anstis Grounds and Gardens. So strap yourself in for the latest episode of the TTM Sports Show. Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.